0: You're listening to Life Church podcast
1: with Pastor Bill Carpenter. About celebrating the historical Pentecost, as I am going to challenge you for a personal Pentecost, a, a, a very now real time Pentecost. So, uh, you know, when when we preach, um, or I should let me back up. When I preach, uh, if I preach a festival or about a festival from Scripture, okay, any festival. Um, uh, it, that, to me, that is some of the most important preaching you do. Uh, and yet, I think it's also some of the most dangerous kind of preaching that you do. And I've heard other, other pastors and leaders say the same kinds of things. It's, it's important to mark a festival or an event in Scripture, all right? Uh, because festivals mark real like major turning points in the Christian story. They're very, very significant points in, in the timeline, and they orient us, all right? They, 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 they help calibrate the story, and, and, and they orient us towards what is really very central, uh, even crucial about our Christian faith. So the festivals are very, very important in that respect, but also uh, they are dangerous, and here's why. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's an irresistible temptation, I think, on the part of the church for us as God's people. Uh, when I preach a, a festival to you or, or, any, or a major event like that in the Scriptures, and I reference it, re- reference it as something historical for God's people and what God did for them, um, it sort of calls us to become nostalgic. By that, I mean it causes us to just look back, all right? And, and God never intended us just to be looking back, just as the government doesn't intend you to drive your car looking in the rearview mirror, all right? It, that's a dangerous thing for you to do, all right? Uh, so all, what I want to try to help you to understand today that it is absolutely imperative that you and I remember God's very faithful action, His intentions in the past, which is a very good thing, All right. So long as it is going to prompt us to seek God's attention and action for the future. And to live in the present. That we live in what God is doing right now. All right? So when I'm preaching Pentecost to you and I'm talking about the celebration of Pentecost or I'm even talking about a detail of the festival of Pentecost, I'm not doing that so that you can just go, oh, that's wonderful. I, I love that. I love that story. That's an old, old story. No, we're talking about it from the standpoint of what might God be doing now as a result of the story of the celebration of Pentecost and its beginnings. What is he doing now in the church and what is his intention for the future? And so every time we look at these sorts of things, that is that needs to be the mindset that we have. And that is to seek God for what is his action among us in the present so that it's more than nostalgia and that we are moving forward and we're seeing God at work in the future, all right? I love looking back. I love commemorating God's action in the past, but I don't want us to linger there. I don't want us to live in that place of that's a sweet story or that's a powerful story about something that God did way back then, and then we just camp it there or we package it there and we leave it there, all right? So, so we don't want to live the Christian life in a place of sort of sweet sentimentality, you know. Oh, let's just read the stories of old. Let's, let's hear about the, 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 the fathers. You know, let's, let's, let's just relish in that. No, let's understand what they did. Let's understand what God did and how God moved with the intent that it prepares us to get ourselves positioned to do what God wants us to do in the now for the future. And that's how we, that's how we've got to live, all right? Now... There are very few, in, in my opinion, there's very few holidays or, or festivals that present themselves the way Pentecost does for just keeping it in, in, the, in the past tense, in the old. Um, and and some of that's just the tensions that Pentecost has caused in the church uh, over over time. Uh, but I want us today to, to to move into that place of saying, okay. We're not going to focus on the glory days of the church in the old. But we are going to see that the glory days can be in the present with us now. And that the greatest glory days of God and us as his people are yet ahead of us. And so we're always future oriented. We're always intentional about what is out there in front of us. Not staying back here in what is past. We're going to go there. We're going to visit that place but with the intent of understanding what God is doing in our hearts now. So I want you to understand Pentecost, yes, but more than that, I want you to experience Pentecost in some way. I want there to be a personal uh, experience for you that you can put on your timeline And that you can actually celebrate that and say, you know what? I know a time when God richly filled me with His Spirit and His power. And I began to see God not only move around me in the lives of other people, but I changed. There was a dramatic work inside of me, myself, that God and only God did or could do. And it builds my faith every time I remember But it doesn't draw me back into that place and hold me back there and capture me to comfort me. It moves me to realize that God is still moving and will move in my life and move me to the future and what his vision and plan is for not only my life, but corporately the lives around me as we work together for the kingdom of God. So I want us to celebrate this church birthday, if you will, all right? but not in the sense of you become comfortable with it and easy with it. I really would like for you to be uncomfortable with it. I would love for you to let the Holy Spirit cause a little bit of dis-ease in your soul today. All right, A little sense of, you know what, there's something I need to do. There's something more that needs to happen inside of me. And it can happen in an unexpected moment. That's why I showed you that little video. No one, de- you didn't, you didn't get to see the, the the church alive in that video down there in that moment when those tongues of fire hit. You just got to see kind of a vision or a, an analogy of of what happened from God's perspective coming down but the reality is those who were on the earth had no idea of what was about to happen they they didn't understand the magnitude of what God was about to do in their lives in birthing the church and yet God knocked their socks off with it God moved in very powerful ways when he released the Holy Spirit in the earth. And I want to say to you, I believe, not only do I believe, but I anticipate because I am praying. And I'm asking you to join me in prayer. I am praying for God to move by his Holy Spirit's power in life, church, and that he will change us. So that we can do the mission that God has called us to do, that He will empower us and give us the energy to do that. Here's the most amazing, uh, distraughtful uh, relationship that I see in life church today. The more that we have, David and I, preach to you mission. The more that we've identified us, all of us together in, 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 in meeting or whatever, have identified that Life Church is indeed a missional church, and the more that many of you are answering the call to go. I mean, some of you are going to Egypt this summer, some of you are going to Honduras this summer, uh, some of you are going to Uganda this summer. Uh, where else are we going this summer? Where? Oh, yeah. I'm going to Brazil this summer <laughs> with Andrew's team, okay? <laughs> but, but the more that we are dispersing and the more that we are going out and the more that we are having a global effect and not at all releasing our responsibility to the neighborhood, here's what I'm hearing. In a direct correlation, I am hearing a lot of people say, I am so I am really exhausted. My life is very full. I am just struggling with my chaos. And these kind of, these kind of it's all, it is like the proverbial broken record. These are coming in constantly from you and I. I'm, I'm in that boat with you, you know, singing my chorus along with your chorus. And, and folks, we can't harmonize there. That's not a sweet song. It's a dangerous place for us to land. And so I want to challenge us today to see that the Holy Spirit is the energy that you and I need. And He is capable of helping us rise above these feelings of tiredness and, and, and exhaustion that we're in. Now... The Holy Spirit can do that part, but you've got to do your part to create a lifestyle or change your lifestyle so that it's conducive for the Holy Spirit to do what He needs to do. All right, So there's a there's a twofold work here, and I want to challenge us to that as well. Not just that we anticipate and go after and be intentional to, to invite the Holy Spirit in and receive the Holy Spirit and work and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, but that we ourselves are doing what is necessary in our own lives so that we can be ready when the Spirit moves. And so Pentecost for us is a now thing. It's not just a commemorative day. All right, so at the end of this service, we're going to have communion together. And my prayer is that through communion, we're going to be, as we receive the communion, energized uh, in the Spirit today. And that God is going to help all of us to do that together, all right? Now, we're saying that Pentecost doesn't need to be about the past. I, I, I suspect that Luke, when he wrote uh, this uh, encounter, uh, like, like other writers, I think he wrote, he wrote about the past. He wrote about this experience knowing that people would read it, seeing it as, as in the past, as being historical. But, but I think it, it, it makes sense of the present and it prepares us for the future. And I think that's part of what Luke would want to do. I think... it Luke, Luke's intention wasn't just to give an account, just to tell a story. But Luke and these writers, I believe they were understanding, even as they were writing, even as they were penning these words, they are understanding that, hey, outside these doors, outside this candlelight right now, there are people who are dying for their faith. There are people who are being martyred right now as I pen these words. But I believe by faith that the church is going to grow I believe by faith that the church is going to increase. And so I write these words not for me and not for these who are here because they are dying. They are being martyred daily. But I write this for those who are out there. I'm, I, Luke is writing this for the people that Jesus prays for when he says, Father, bless them, not only them, but those who will come. And so all of this work we see of, of, of the Holy Spirit in the, in the early church was in order that you and I also might be rich today in power and spirit and do what God has called us to do in our day. And so we've got to realize that this is the challenge that comes to us. And so when we celebrate, we celebrate with, with, yes, a liveliness and an excitement. It's Pentecost. Yeah, let's get filled with the Spirit. That's great. But please understand that being filled with the Spirit is a cost. And that cost has been being paid for and extracted year after year after year after year since the early church was birthed. And it is still being paid today. And you and I sit here because early church fathers paid enormous sacrifices that we may have this opportunity to do so. That we may understand and know our faith. And our faith could position us to be able to be used by the Spirit of God. So let's let's take this today and let's kinda of, let's kinda of run with this, all right? So so the, the chief goal here of my message to you today is not to describe to you in great detail the the original Pentecost, though we can do that. You know, I'm not going to talk a lot about the the, the tongues of of fire. I'm not going to talk about, you know, Peter's sort of amazing use of Joel in his sermon. I'm not going to talk to you about the effectiveness of this message that was preached. Um, My goal here is to share just enough of this stuff, uh, enough of these details to ask you to be a hearer of the word. All right? The New Testament says, don't just be a hearer, though. Be a doer. And that's the key of hearing. If you're really hearing the word, it's going to move you to be a doer of the word. And so I want to challenge you that we are hearers in the sense that we become doers, all right? And so, so this morning, as you hear about the, the, this story of Pentecost, or if we talk about this a little bit, I want you to say, okay, where am I? Constantly, where am I? Where am I? What is this speaking to me? What is this saying to me? What is this calling to me to do? Over and over and over and over again, let that question start to sink down inside of you. Are those questions sink down inside of you, all right? Pentecost Sunday is, as I said, often called the birth of the church. Um, it's a Greek word. Um, we, it means 50, actually, is what it means, this, this word, because we celebrate Pentecost 50 days after the resurrection uh, of jesus 40 days he he taught and then he encouraged his followers and then after his ascension uh, they waited another 10 days for the gift of the holy spirit to come um and and in ancient israel pentecost also was a celebration of the wheat harvest and uh, and that was 50 days after the slaying of the passover lamb all right so that historically takes us back in in biblical times as we know it the jewish celebration Um, commemorated also um, the the day that the Ten Commandments was revealed to Moses. So there's a lot of rich history of the church and of God's work in His people that are all up under this day of Pentecost. So it's a powerful day. It's a very, very important day. But it's the Holy Spirit uh, in action. It's God in action, if you will. All right. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is... That's hard for us to, 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 to... maybe grasp sometimes because we make reference and references is made uh, to the Holy Spirit as being uh, the wind, uh, you know, more than the third person of the Trinity. Even that, I think, is a little bit strange. Uh, the third person of the Trinity. Why, why don't we just say Holy Spirit? You know, it's like we say Father, Son, and a lot of people don't even include Holy Spirit in their language. They just say, and the third person, the, you know, uh, of the Trinity. And, and this is... A, This is a place where we as Life Church have to get really comfortable with the fact that we are spirit filled people and not be afraid of that and not be ashamed of that and not worry about what the world says about that. All right? That we can be really okay with declaring that this is who we are, that this defines us. We are filled by the Holy Spirit. You know? And that is not an over mystical thing, it is an overpowering thing. And we learn to live in that place of power, all right? So, so we begin to live out this idea that the Holy Spirit is God in action, all right? It is God at work here, all right? Um, in, in the beginning, God's Spirit created this universe. And He did it out of nothing, bringing order out of chaos this is amazing, isn't it? I, I mean, I think it is. I think it's, I think it's amazing. Anytime I see chaos and I suddenly see order brought in, I just, I like, I love that. That is, that is sweet, you know, and that is God. So God isn't one who comes into order and brings chaos. He is one who comes into chaos and brings order. Now, the world may tell you differently, But the work of God is one of order. It always has been order. It always will be order. It was order from creation. Creation was done in order. And God has worked in order ever since that time. He has built the church in order. He has created authority in order. He has moved in every aspect of his being in a certain order. And there's nothing about God that is chaotic. There is nothing about God that is weird. All right, Or or overly mystical as as we use the term. It is is power that God has released on His church in order that you and I can do things that ordinarily we would not be capable of doing or able to do. So we can't say, I can't do it, if God has called us to do it, because He has empowered us and given us the strength we need to be able to accomplish it. And so we don't need to be afraid of the Spirit, and we don't need to be afraid of being filled with the Spirit We don't need to be afraid of being identified as those of the Spirit because this is who God has created us to be. We are tabernacles and the Spirit of God dwells in us, habitates, lives, comes and goes and has being inside of our very being. And this is how we need to see ourselves, if you will. I think that throughout the the, the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, um, there's this deep, I think, conviction um, that no one can do the work of God without the Spirit. When you read through the, the Old Testament, and we, we think of the, of, the, of the Holy Spirit as this New Testament thing, this, this suddenly new thing that happened. But I want you to understand that you can, you can look back and you can see the Spirit of God at work in the Old Testament among God's people. And, and, and no one can, can lead others for God who is not led by the Spirit. Alright? So not only did God move by His Spirit, but His leaders led by the Spirit. And the Spirit was at work all of this time moving in the Israelite nation, moving them towards this pinnacle of time when Jesus would arrive on earth and die and be resurrected and ascend to heaven so that the Spirit could fully be released on the earth. And we live in that dispensation. We live in that time or that place, if you will. So when we look back, You know, it's the Spirit that gave Joseph the skill to rule uh, in Genesis. It It was the Spirit that gave Joshua his military ability in Numbers. It was the Spirit that gave the craftsmen in Exodus the ability to create certain things for the temple when it was built. It was the Spirit that gave the word and life to the prophets to speak to the Israelite nation and lead them along. It was the Spirit that was at work all of this time. And so I challenge you, and please, for heaven's sakes, do not for one moment think it is Pastor Bill up here talking to you. If I say something foolish, credit me, all right? But if you get anything out of this today or any other time, please understand, it is not the work of men. It is the work of the Spirit. I speak words as other men speak words. I speak words out of my ability. But it is God by His Spirit that breathes life into that word. And that word touches you and it transforms you and changes you. And all the glory and all the credit is to God the Father through His Son Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can talk about great men in history all you want to. But the greatest men in history who have lived will tell you, I'm talking about fathers of the church, they will tell you, it is all by the Spirit. It is not by their flesh. Okay. So we need to be filled with this Spirit. And folks, it is not an it. It is it, it, it's not a thing, all right? Uh, I mean, the Bible does, as I said, describe it as like a wind uh, it is unpredictable in some ways, uh, the, 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 the works here, they are, they are unpredictable in some ways. But the Spirit itself is, is a part of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, and, and in our language, we've made reference, and in some translations, it's referred to as the Holy Ghost at different points, uh, but it's not a spook either, okay? It's not a spook, it's not spooky. All right, this isn't something that gets relegated over there to, oh, like, well, Pentecost is like Halloween. No, it's not. You know, this is, you you can't let the world put angles on this thing, you know. We, we've we've got to st- we've got to stay here where he is like Jesus, who is like God. All right, thinking, uh, willing things to be, feeling, possessing attributes of personality, intellect, emotion, will. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. The Holy Spirit can be stifled. The Holy Spirit can be ignored. All right, the Holy Spirit inspires us. All right, as God's people, to say what God wants us to say. Or to write down things that God wants written down. So prophets and Scripture are inspired by the Spirit. The Spirit guides us in truth about Jesus. About ourselves. About our sinfulness. About judgment. The Spirit is capable of helping us see sort of the, the big picture. And God's will for the future. And so when we are in the Scriptures... We are in the Scriptures for revelation, for understanding. And, and I know, there, I've, I've said this to you as well. You need to spend time, you need to quiet yourself, and you need to spend time, you need to be intimate with God, and you need to just read the Scripture for just enjoyment and just for reading. But even in reading for enjoyment, and even in reading for the rest of your soul, for your soul's stillness and quietness resting in Him, even in that place, there is a spirit of revelation at work. The Word of God does not go out void, the Bible says. So even in your devotion, even in your intimacy, all right, just put study over here out of the way for a minute, but just that quiet time that you are spending, all right, it is not a time for you to just sort of dull, all right, but in that place of devotion, in that place of spiritual rest where you let the Word speak to you, the revelation of God is at work because the Spirit is at work. Because the Spirit accompanies the Word, and the Spirit is moving to bring understanding and to bring revelation. So when you become a, a Christian, the Holy Spirit enters your life. And, and, folks, He doesn't just leave you. He doesn't just come and go uh, at random, all right? He, he is, in a sense, He is a guest, all right? But he, you, you let Him in. You let Him into your Tabernacle into your house, if you will. Okay, all right. You let him in, um, and he is—he is to come in. He wants to come in. He desires to fill your tabernacle. He desires to—to to move in your life. Um, and 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 if we're gonna. I know every analogy breaks down as you play it out too far. okay? but but let me encourage you and ask you, could you let him into your house and could you let him go through your little house room by room, please? And could you let him deal with those areas of life where you have kept a secret or where you have been in control or whether you have put off limits or locked the door? All right, can can we let the Spirit flood us? Can we let the Spirit fill us? Can we not withhold from the Holy Spirit here? Can we begin to be people who are open to the Spirit of God coming into those places? I'm tell you something. Let me let me help you to understand. He already knows what's in there. Okay, he knows. He's just waiting for you. He wants you to be co- see. If he's got to knock the door down, you're not cooperative. But if you can just open that door, it's a cooperative effort on the part of you and the Spirit. And God can work. So I challenge us today that we, we live in that kind of place. So, as Ephesians 5, 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. Some of you, in a prior time, you probably have been Drunk. Um, some of you drink wine now, okay, in moderation. But some of you probably in a time in your life drank wine beyond moderation, all right? Um, uh, You chose the sort of wine you wanted. You drank it. You ingested it. um, And then your behavior um, probably exhibited some changes according to, like, how much and how often you drank, Um, And maybe eventually for some of you, there was a time when drinking that much wine or or whatever um, controlled you. It actually had control of you. I'm trying to be careful with this analogy here. But I want you to understand something. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, in one sense, you need to understand When the Spirit takes over your life and controls you, when you are, as they made reference in the Scripture, drunk in the Spirit, that is the place where you have laid down your control and died to yourself. What is that? That is when you have paid the cost of discipleship when you say like Jesus in the garden nevertheless your will be done you got to understand the spirit was not poured out for you to just feel good it wasn't poured out for you just to have a spiritual inebriation alright alright It was poured out for great purpose and great intent. And that intentionality was to give you the energy you need to evangelize the world. The one mandate was go into all the world. So the intent of God is to give you what you need to go into all the world. Not to give you what you need to stay home and build bigger churches. So if we build something here or do something dramatic here, the intent cannot be for us so we can just stay here. The greater issue is what will we do with what God gives us here by his spirit that will allow us to go out there and do what he's called us to do. And that has to be our ultimate motive. No matter what we do, no matter how we live here or or how we do church here, the ultimate motive is not for us here so that we have this, this, you know, like get together and we drink the wine of the Spirit and just feel good and enjoy each other. No, it's so that He can control us and we can commit ourselves totally to Him in obedience and He can do whatever He will. That's how the Spirit works. It's not a negotiating table. You don't get to come and bring a plan of action that you think is right. You can write up your plan of action. Hopefully you will have done that because you're already submitted to the Spirit. And as we said last week, you are praying in the Spirit, which is praying in the will of the Father and in obedience to that will. All right? So already when you bring your your plan, when you bring your vision, when you bring your dream, when you bring your desire to God, already you are walking in the Spirit. And there in that place, you give it to Him, and He has the privilege to edit anything in your life He wants to. He has the privilege to hit the delete button over and over and over again. The other day, my life got so busy. This is a confession. The other day, my life got so busy, and I, I just, I was like, I can't do all this, God. And I sat down at my desk and I opened my computer, and I don't know what had happened, but apparently, somehow, my email got like really wacky, and so I had a lot of emails. Okay, but it started doing them again, like like they came through, and then all of a sudden, really fast, all my emails start coming through again. It's just like. I just I just highlighted one, and I just sat there with, and I was on the delete button. And this is how this is. I had this sort of like almost euphoric moment. I wasn't even reading them. It's just like they were so doggone many, you know. And I was like, I can't do it. I, Just getting all of that stuff out of there, you know? Of course, I stopped, which required more time because I had to go back in the trash and figure out if I had, you know, lost any important emails or whatever. But it was just like a moment. It's like, I just want to do this. You can't do that. God doesn't do that. God is intentional. And when God gives you something to do, His intent is never to overwhelm you with the magnitude of what is there. His intent is to speak to you the peace and the understanding of Him. The revelation of Him that will allow you to embrace His loving kindness and His faithfulness. I believe that was three Sundays Sundays ago. Okay? So we begin to embrace the loving kindness and the faithfulness of God. And He is able to empower us to do all that we need to do. You know, there's a lot of things that I could say to you today about the Holy Spirit. I've got books about the Holy Spirit. I've got books about His gifts. I don't know of really any of those books where I have read where it says that the Holy Spirit gives you energy, but let's go to let's go to Colossians chapter one, and this is this is where I want to camp, and and kind of leave you, and I I promise I'm I'm, I'm closing it down here. Um, I I want to I want to give you like something to just grab a hold of and really stand with and take home here, okay? And so I want to go to Colossians chapter one. I did this sermon totally backwards. I, I, I preached you this sermon without really giving you the text until the end. All right? So here's the text to the sermon that I just preached to you. I asked someone this morning, please pray for me, because <laughs> I knew I was doing this upside down. I was like, I don't know how this is going to work, okay? But, now, but we're going to close with the text now, okay? The impact of the text, and then we're going to have communion. All right, because the text really leads us, I think, to to the communion table. All right. But look at this. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Paul is speaking here. And he's writing to to the church at, at, at Colossae. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church Christ in you. Hallelujah. The hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. Hallelujah. There it is right there. Just leave that up there, can you? Thank you. I'm sorry. (laughs) All his energy that he powerfully works in me. You guys drinking that rock star mess? Let me tell you something. That's stupid. It's unhealthy for you, number one. It's not good for your body. Somebody bought me one for a present. I'm not going to tell you who it was that did it, but they, uh, they sure did. They just bought me. Bought me and Pastor Dave both one. I don't know if they saw how tired we were or what, but it said, I think it might still be in the refrigerator. Yeah. Are you saying that like that? that's a waste? Or in, uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> All these things we have out there now in the world that is offering us to give us the energy that we need. I've got one of those little bottles in my desk. Five-hour energy. Someone gave me one of those. I, I think people think pastors, or me in particular, that I'm just tired, exhausted, and run down, and, and that I work too much, which may be right. Okay? But I'm holding on to this. And I'm not looking for substitutes. I'm not looking for those things out there in the world that are going to get me high, or are, are going to give me a momentary Buzz, or whatever. We'll talk more about that down the road somewhere, okay? But I am looking for the legitimate power of God that He says is His energy that is powerfully at work within me. And if I have that, if I believe that, and I'm not trying to set you up for some kind of crazy failure here, but I believe if he says that we can have his energy and that it can work in us, we can do what God has called us to do. We can accomplish what he is giving us to accomplish. It doesn't have to be an overwhelming task that exhausts us before we ever begin. Folks, some of us have our lives way too busy and way too full and way too messed up. So that if we even start to talk about a mission in the church, you get tired immediately. You're already overwhelmed. You're already undone. You're already ready to shrink back into the back of the church and not be seen. Hey, the Christian faith is not to live in the shadows. It is to be on the front line. And I want to challenge you and I that we do exactly that. I have to stop so we can take communion. All right? And I want want you to enjoy this moment of communion with God. But I want you to understand as you are approaching the table, the energy at work in you is Him. It is His Spirit that is at work. And I want you today to be so aware of that, that as you approach the table, you are able to appropriate spiritually some level of that energy from God. Be filled with the Spirit, with the energy of God to do what He has called you to do today. All right? We will not do this to commemorate the past only. We will do this to be equipped for the day that we are in in order that we are prepared for the future that is ahead of us. Be filled filled with the spirit amen amen would you take just a moment to uh ponder this think about what is being spoken to you today and then i'm going to invite you to come to the table i'm going to invite you to receive your communion when you've received your communion and uh you feel that you are complete in that work, then you may be dismissed to leave and go out into the other area. Let's leave it quiet in here for those who would want to stay and reflect, okay? Wade, would you join me, please? Wade and I will be administering the sacrament to you today, all right? We'll ask you, starting on this side, to come to the table, and return uh, after you've had your communion, or just exit out the door if you're ready to do that, okay? We're called here by the God of the new covenant, who by the power of the Holy Spirit unites us with Jesus Christ. And here we remember that that when we were broken and we were divided and we were as good as dead, the Son of God became one of us. He came to take our place. We know that the Lord Jesus, demonstrating to us the Father's love, gave up his life as a ransom for many. And there on the cross, he made atonement for all our sin so that he might heal all and draw all people to himself. In this holy meal of communion, we identify with him, knowing
0: he and he alone can make us whole. Let us pray. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you who first loved us and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord and in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Therefore, with the angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore praising you, saying together, Holy, Holy, Holy 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 Lord, Lord, God of power power and might, heaven and earth earth are full full of of your your glory. glory. Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. On the same night that
1: he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after the supper, he took the cup, and when he had first given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of this, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in
0: remembrance of me. In obedience to his command, we prepare our hearts and pray as the Lord Jesus taught us, and the glory forever and amen we come to the
1: lord's supper by grace through faith and it is in the power of the holy spirit folks no one is worthy to identify with jesus but he loves us and shows grace upon grace to us he calls sinners to repent to believe in him to live in genuine holiness And to join him in his mission. So this meal is for everyone who belongs to Jesus. Who believes him. And who is baptized into his name. So the invitation is to all of you who are truly and earnestly repentant of your sins. And you intend to lead new life. We invite you to draw near today in the power of the spirit. With faith and to receive the bread and the cup
0: for your comfort. We also invite you, Holy Spirit, to descend upon this food and this drink, that by your power it may be consecrated as the body and blood of Jesus Christ, that by your spiritual power we might receive grace at this table. Empower us to proclaim the Lord's death until the Messiah returns. Let us pray in silence.
1: Father, what has been spoken in silence, may it be loud in your heart. And may you respond by drawing us deeper into you. Allow us to come and to be filled. Holy Spirit, settle upon us today. Father, we pray that every person who draws near to your table will receive Christ in them, the energy to do all that you have called us to do. Bless us as we come, as we receive, and as we go forth in the name of
0: Jesus.
1: To you before you leave and as you are receiving these sacraments Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us therefore let us keep the feast know this that the rescuer Jesus Christ has freed you and given you the Holy Spirit to empower you to live in holiness give thanks to him saints of God For you belong
0: to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Bless you.